0: Here is episode 136. We've been hearing for over half a century now that eating fat is bad because it raises cholesterol something that for all of human history, your liver has made for you. If you're not sure what's going on with your cholesterol and it's going up and going down and all over town and you've tried dieting your way to lower those digits, then this episode might be for you because I'm sharing the history behind low-fat and cholesterol research along with some functional nutrition thinking behind how to address the core causation of this problem in a healthy way. You ready? Let's get into it. Welcome to the How to Not Get Sick and Die podcast. You've tuned in because you want to start taking your health seriously, so you don't, well, get sick and die. Here we talk all things health, nutrition, and human optimization. Let's jump into it with your host and resident scientist, Maddie Lansdowne. What's up, my healthy friends? It's my mission to coach 250 men and women to lose weight and be their healthiest self before the end of... 2021. So get in and be a part of this movement of healthy friends before the list is full. So today's episode comes as a result of many inquiries from clients that either themselves have been told they have high cholesterol or a family member or a husband that won't do anything about their high cholesterol or whoever it is these people have been messaging me on Instagram and on social media and in our one-on-one coaching calls and in our group coaching calls for years now, right? So, I want to do a podcast that just kind of addresses this stuff. So, this episode's for you if you're, you fall into this category in any way in the conversation about cholesterol. So, especially if you're someone that's been trying to diet for years in order to get down that cholesterol. But you do that and you try and eat the foods that the doctor says you should eat, but it doesn't really budge too much. And they, and then you end up feeling like a massive failure for not being able to get this number down that the doctor says may lead to your very painful death, right? That's kind of scary. Fair enough. I'd be worried about it too if this was the communication I was getting from my doctor. It's Yeah, it's terrifying. What a way to go about helping people, right? <laughs> I mean, you know, fear works. We discovered that. This year and last year, it definitely gets the job done for many people. But anyway, sidetrack. What I want to talk about today is to bring some context and history about cholesterol. So you see... I believe that you need the whole story to make sense of this information, and not just this information, but all information about health. If you're only given part of the story, then, well, you can only solve part of the problem, and you may, in the process, cause other problems because you don't know the whole story. It's about being able to ask better questions, which is a theme that I'm really trying to promote at the minute through socials and on the show, Ask Better Questions – not just, don't just nod your head and accept everything as gospel truth because it came from somebody that wears a white coat or somebody that wears a tie to their job in any field, by the way. You know, don't accept these things as gospel, especially if they don't make sense to you. You can't find logic in them. So you can't take control of your health if you're not the one asking the question because as you'll learn here on today's episode, ain't no one that interested in your health to the point that it would have a meaningful outcome, except you, which is why it's awesome that you're here because you have an open mind to learning more and asking new questions. So kudos to you. (laughs) Thanks for being here. All right. We've been hearing about this for almost half a century, right? So that's a while. Uh, Dietary fat, saturated fat and heart disease, heart attacks and eating less fat, and more carbs, yada, yada, yada. That whole conversation has been going on for a while. And now we have a crisis of all these diseases. And heart disease is absolutely one of the diseases that are part, part of this crisis. And heart attacks and strokes and, and these things that we're told cholesterol contributes to in some way. So something tells me that the low cholesterol you know, movement over the last 50, 60, 70 years potentially hasn't been that effective You know, was it the right thing? Let's dig into that, right? And so the lower your cholesterol through the low-fat diet approach doesn't seem to have worked, right? Um, In my opinion, at least. Is it because tens of millions of people are so bad at dieting that they're just weak and pathetic? I also don't think that is true at all. No, not at all. Now, to start off this, of course... You know, this is not medical advice, but it is information and education and you can go and look it all up anywhere you like on the interwebs. So you can research and learn more about this. This is just a drop in the ocean for your research journey, as every episode of this podcast is. It's just introducing you to concepts and ideas and, and true information that I have found and discovered that I believe you need to know about. And so this is a conversation that has been long debated between the medical world and the natural health world. And finally, in the last 10 years, maybe even 15, we're finding that doctors are coming out and speaking up against the inaccurate research surrounding cholesterol. And whether it being high is a legitimately concerning risk factor for heart attacks or heart disease. Now, there are actually doctors that have been protesting this information since the very beginning in the 1950s, but they were often written off as quacks because they didn't agree with the literature that the most robust medical research establishments were producing. Might I add, this is coming from a time where they had pregnant women, athletes, and medical doctors spruking the health benefits of smoking cigarettes. In fact, they used to advertise cigarettes to pregnant women because it would reduce the size of the baby, and therefore, childbirth might not be so bad. Oh, sounds like we're coming from a trustworthy place. <laughs> so obviously, you're a quack if you're not falling into line with the medical narrative way back then, and well, we know that's true today as well, with the amount of censorship. So, quick bit of background, and this really is a quick version, so there's a lot of context and bits and pieces missing here, but I want you to understand generally the journey that this narrative has been on because it means we'll all understand where we are today, which then gives us the uh, motivation and incentive to do things differently, right? So, in the 1950s, science researcher Ansel Keys produced the Seven Country Study, which showed an almost perfect relationship between diet and heart and vascular disease risk and in essence what they found was that the higher the fat in the diet the higher the risk of cardiovascular disease or cardiovascular events and so off began the low fat narrative and remember this is the 1950s right this is a while ago uh so off it, off it went. After this research happened, then to confirm those results and to confirm this narrative, to make sure that everyone was doing the right thing, research upon research upon research was done to fall in line with this study. This study was the benchmark study and so... Basically, and this happens now in the medical field, I can absolutely attest to this, that if your research doesn't fall into line with the current accepted narrative of, of a particular thing, then it basically gets ignored and rejected, right? There's, it's, it's whatever the hot topic is sort of this week. Um, and there's so much research and articles out there that have been done, produced, put on the internet that disagree with mainstream narrative on every topic you can imagine, and it's just blatantly been ignored because it doesn't suit the current status quo of the medical field, and of course, in this situation, we're talking about not just the medical field, but the agricultural field and the food industry and government regulations, so it's really hard to respond to this stuff in in a way that's not what they want to hear, right? So, again, off began this low-fat narrative, Uh, all this research was done, um, up to the point where the first food pyramid was created in the late 1970s, which... Recommended. The most of the food that we eat every single day be from sugars, carbohydrates, and grains from that category. You might even remember the pyramid. You can probably see it in your mind right now and remembering all the pictures down the bottom of the breads and the cereals and the rice and that type of thing. And so basically everyone listening to this podcast has lived most of their lives where that has been the advice that the research and that that advice was given through the research and the scientists and they gave it to the government and the government gave it to the education bodies and the education bodies gave it to doctors and health experts and then those health experts gave it to mums dads and grandparents and of course we're mums dads and grandparents themselves and then they handed that way of eating and believing health and nutrition worked to us packaged in this this is the healthiest way to eat packaging because everyone in the whole information chain was sharing the same message so it must be right 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 Well, maybe not, right? Just because a huge group of people think the same thing doesn't mean it's right. You don't just add quantity of opinions to legitimize the truth, right? And again, this is another thing we're seeing in this chapter of history, right? That just because the mass think one thing doesn't mean they're correct. But hold up. It turns out the initial paper that Ansel Keys put together, the seven-country study, was a lie. What? What do you mean? Why? Because it was actually a 22-country study and he left out 15 countries from the data because when all 22 countries were in the mix, there was no relationship between diet and cardiovascular risk. What? Are you for real? Yes, this is the 50s. Like, If you did what you did in your lab and said that's what happened, there was not many ways to check that, right? And so he wanted to confirm his narrative. The beliefs that he had, the thing, the message that he wanted to send. So, this is totally cherry picked data. This is botched data. It's inaccurate of the truth. And we found this out many decades later, right? And actually, at the time, there was another doctor that was campaigning against Ansel Keys' claims, saying that it was actually the sugar that was the real problem. That was Dr. John Newtkin. Right, But sadly, Ansel Keys already had a significant following and a political status that meant his claims couldn't really be refuted by some random quack named Newtkin. Right? So move along a couple of years and the pharma industry is pumping out the uh, lower your cholesterol message along, of course, with the solution in tow and you, which you may identify as the statin drug, right? The, the pharmaceutical statins. A drug which is the most consumed and sold drug in the world and has generated not a mill, not a bill, but over $1 trillion since they first hit the market. $1 trillion. That's like a couple of countries' GDP. It's bloody insane, right? I mean, it's been on the market for a long time, so, but still, still, it's crazy. This story got so out of hand that there was once even a suggestion in the USA to add statins to the water supply. Like, what? <laughs> what? Sadly, you can find a bunch of pharmaceuticals in the water due to the amount that, particularly in America, due to the amount that Americans consume drugs. Actually, I read a statistic recently that said America consumes 65% of the entire world's pharmaceuticals. Like, what? That's crazy. No wonder you can find these drugs in the water supply. There's just so highly, the humans in America are just so highly concentrated with these drugs in their system that they go to the toilet, you know, it goes into the water system, it goes into the natural ecosystem. And, and by the time you get it back out of your tap in the other end, it's really hard to clean it of everything, right? So it's a scary time. Um, and actually, uh, the Sean Stevenson on the Model Health uh, Show, the podcast, he did an episode about the pharmaceuticals in tap water in the US, which is crazy. And for them to suggest to add statins to the water supply to me is like insane, right? But if 2020 and 2021 has taught us anything, you're probably able to see why speaking out against the low-fat cholesterol statin narrative was probably, and probably still is, super risky. If I go missing, you know what happened. (laughs) (laughs) Or it's probably like, pick a podcast episode. It was one of them. (laughs) So the moral of the story is here that an extremely profitable avenue of the medical industry was discovered and built from the ground up on inaccurate science and inaccurate data. And as we know, we are still in a world where people are fat, sick, and nearly dead and people, despite millions of people taking these drugs every day to lower their cholesterol, and patients are told on the daily that they'll need to take these medications to lower their cholesterol levels for the rest of their life, and some told that if they don't take these meds, they will die, and remember, this is something that your body naturally produces, which begs the question, did our body get it right for all of human history, and then in the last 70 years, the cholesterol our own liver makes started to become, I don't know, what, toxic, deadly? Doesn't seem to add up to me, right? Which begs the question, the functional nutrition question, what is the cause? Why are we not looking at the cause? And so speaking of the fact that liver makes our cholesterol, let's talk about what it is used for and essential in the body. But first, I want to start with this piece of information. Your liver produces 70 to 90% of your body's cholesterol and the rest comes from your food. When you reduce it in your body, your liver increases the amount of cholesterol it produces in the liver and vice versa. It's a compensatory mechanism to ensure consistent levels are supplied to the body because we need them for loads of things. And I've got six big ones right here. You ready? Number one. To produce hormones, particularly the steroid-based hormones like your sex hormones, estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, and also cortisol and aldosterone. So cortisol is obviously a big part of your stress response, but it's which is necessary because if you didn't have any stress response at all, you wouldn't even wake up in the morning. Um, but it's also needed for blood sugar maintenance and infection prevention. And aldosterone, which may be a new hormone for you to hear about, plays a part in water retention. Important because, well, the body needs to hold onto water and we'd all dry out and be no fun than a plain biscuit if we didn't hold or retain water, right? Two, creating vitamin D. When the sun hits your skin, you need a specific cholesterol molecule and specifically 7-dehydrocholesterol. You need that molecule there to be able to react with the light, then become the version of vitamin D that your body needs. Without cholesterol, this process is simply not happening. And we know vitamin D deficiency is very common and associated with a f- like a whole host, a feature, and it's a feature of many common diseases and illnesses. So, cholesterol is essential for life. So, if we're reducing the cholesterol, does that mean we're forcing ourselves into a vitamin D deficiency? Vitamin D deficiency, which is related to all these diseases. That's a good question to ask, right? These situations are multifaceted, hence the functional medicine and functional nutrition. There's so many moving parts. We can't look at these things in isolation. Number three, supporting digestion, okay? So we need cholesterol to break down fat, which is why it is not uncommon that people with cholesterol-lowering medication can develop gut problems like bloating, diarrhea, IBS, uh, you know, simple pain when they put food in at all, uh, and things like that IBS, IBD, SIBO. So it breaks down the larger fat molecules. What it's meant to do, cholesterol, is it helps break down big fat molecules that you consume in the diet into smaller ones for transport across the gut barrier. With not enough cholesterol, we then have impaired or fat malabsorption or impaired fat absorption because these molecules are lowered they're in less abundance which means you're going to have problems absorbing the or you're going to have a reduced capacity for absorbing fat soluble nutrients like your a d e and k Um, and also going to the toilet is going to be less fun because you'll have to pump out that fat through your poop, which means that it's sticky, it's gross, it's like it's, there's lots of wiping and lots of mess. It's never good, right? So this is another reason we need it, to support digestion. Four, immune health. Without enough cholesterol in your blood, you'll have a reduced capacity to fight infection. And the lower it is, the more you'll more likely you'll be to get sick and for the sickness to last longer than if you had healthy levels of cholesterol. Next one, five. The cell wall. So the reason that your body is held together and you're not just a pool of stuff on the floor is because all of your cells have membranes and cell walls. So cholesterol is an important part of the structure of the membranes that encase our cells, that hold them together, and the membranes that are used inside and out of the cells. And therefore, cholesterol is needed for the maintenance of your current cells, so looking after your cells as they are right now and trying to improve them. And also, as building blocks for new cells and the healthier the cholesterol level is, the more it can assist both transportation and communication of molecules between cells. Six, number six, there's lots more, but we got six today. Six, brain function. So, about 25% of the body's total cholesterol volume is in the brain. Without cholesterol, the nerves and neurons in your brain and, of course, the rest of your body and the rest of your nervous system can malfunction and act slower, send inconsistent messages, can lead to erratic moods and behavior that can go as far as being linked to Alzheimer's disease and dementia which we know are strongly linked to a degradation of the neurons in your body, or the the central nervous system. This also can be the reason for the amazing cognitive benefits of the higher fat diets like low-carb or the ketogenic diet. I know a lot of entrepreneurs and high achievers that stay ketogenic because of the mental clarity and decision-making improvements, which suggests that these benefits come from the fact that this fat increase which inevitably you know, means that we've got cholesterol doing its work, adds the benefit to their nervous system, helps improve, maintain, and repair their nervous system. So that's potentially one reason why people stay in this ketogenic state, right? So these six reasons. So these are why we absolutely should not be actively suppressing cholesterol intake. Now, can you have too much of a good thing? Absolutely. I'm never debating that, right? All of the things that exist in the world are legitimate problems. It's just we need to find the line where it's a legitimate problem and we're not looking at the cause of the problem. And another line is where marketing and advertising begin and end along with financial incentives, right? The water is very muddy, but it doesn't mean that for some people you can't have too much cholesterol and high cholesterol is could be a risk factor for you too, right? It's the same thing with anything, right? Absolutely. The question, though, is is a higher cholesterol the problem or not? This is why we use functional medicine or functional nutrition thinking because we must take a few steps back and uncover the cause of the high cholesterol. Higher than normal cholesterol is a symptom, it's not the cause, it's not the problem. And because we know that 70 to 90% of your cholesterol is produced in your liver, it's very unlikely to be dietary intake of cholesterol its the problem it's only making up that what 10 20 30 percent it's the smaller amount it, it, i'm not again not saying that it doesn't contribute to a problem i'm saying that we need to look for the cause of the issue that makes sense and that has the most impact right and fun little side note by the way The categories for what constituted high cholesterol were changed in the early 2000s. And as you may have guessed, they were lowered. So more people were now classified as having high cholesterol. Therefore, more people to sign up to the medication merry-go-round. Here is the fun bit of that side note though. A documentary put together by an Australian woman that aired on the ABC in 2013 brought to the surface that on the panel of nine reviewers that changed the guidelines Eight of those reviewers had financial ties to statin-producing pharmaceutical companies. So picture this, right? Unlocking your potential, conquering emotional eating, and gaining insights directly from a health and nutrition expert such as myself. That's what we do inside the Healthy Mums Collective Facebook group, which is currently free to join. To join us in the free Healthy Mums Collective and to end your emotional eating and feel good in your own skin and begin that journey, pop down to the show notes below, click the link and breeze through three simple entry questions. Join today and let's embark on a journey of growth and empowerment. The link is in the show notes below. Surprise, Yahtzee. And here's another fun fact. The woman that produced that uh, documentary, it was amazing, amazing documentary. She got removed from the um, archives and it got deleted from the internet. And she was put under a gag order for five years. So I actually might get her on the show. Um, but that's the power of Big Farmer, right? You pull back the curtain and show people some scary stuff and unfortunately... With their billion dollars, billions of dollars or trillion dollars that, you know, they can crush you in a heartbeat. So she had a gag order for five years. I'll try and get her on the podcast, actually, to tell her story. It's It will open your eyes to the dark side. If, if this podcast hasn't opened your eyes enough. Again, not saying that these medications and systems and problems aren't real things. I'm just here debating the fact that cholesterol is super useful for you and probably isn't the cause of these situations. And we know that the original research was entirely flawed and the last 70 years of our medical and health system were built on these completely incorrect uh, dietary guidelines, right? So let me tell you, what we've seen unfold in 2020 and 2021 with this medical tyranny, it's always been around, and as as you're hearing from me, share this and the gag orders, and you know there's heaps of heaps of medical journalists that have had gag orders put on them for showing the dark side of the equation or the situation. It's just that now we have the internet, so we can actually actively look on the other side of the conversation. Yeah, we get censored on all of these, uh, you know, commercially owned, uh, you know, uh, well, I mean they're privately owned, but they're at a commercial scale with the likes of Facebook and Twitter and YouTube and Google. But there's plenty of places on the internet where you cannot be censored and that, you know, platforms are priding themselves on honesty and truth and letting as many opinions into the circle as possible. And I think that's great because it, the situation we've got with the mainstream media, mainstream social media, all of those things, it's really sad. But I'm hoping, I'm, and I'm really hopeful, the fact that the listenership of this podcast keeps growing fills me with hope because I'm hoping that you and I can be a part of the solution by voting with our voice firstly secondly but by voting with our behavior how we live our lives the platforms that we choose to engage with that the communities that we choose to be a part of and most importantly by voting with our dollar by actively creating the type of world we want to live in by buying healthy food from organic and regenerative farms by hiring functional medicine experts by hiring naturopaths TCM doctors and nutritionists to help us with our health. I really think voting with our resources and our money paves the way forward because then the system is forced to adapt to us. Remember, we are the 99%, right? We are the, the, in mass, we are a terrifying force. We just have to remember that our neighbors are on our side. The people that we walk past in the street are on our side. And if we rock up to the picket line, And disagree with something the system will change but only if we band together anyway passionate uh, human rights rant there (laughs) but truthfully we need each other in order to move through this medical tyranny um, on every level whether it be medications from the past or whether it be what we're seeing unfolding right now so anyway i can hear you say so maddie why is cholesterol bad you want the short answer It's not. (laughs) It's 100% necessary for human health and the function of your body, as we've already discussed. So, I mean, let's pull it apart a little further, right? So, because these are the terms that we start hearing our medical professionals talk about. So, we've got LDL, low-density lipoprotein, and LDL carries cholesterol molecules to the cell from the liver. Remember, it was created in the liver or it was stored there from the food, and LDL takes it to the liver. Right? And then we have HDL, which carries these cholesterol molecules back to the liver, and both are equally good and necessary for vital human function. They are both good. There is no good or bad, right? Think of LDL and HDL as boats or ships that are transporting the necessary cholesterol around the body. A boat traveling from Melbourne to London is the same as a boat traveling from London to Melbourne, right? That's the kind of logic. Ne- neither of them are bad. But but, but but, but, but there is a big but. cholesterol can go bad. It's true. What happens when we have a genuinely bad cholesterol situation is when the lipoproteins mix with sugar. So, sugar fuses with the proteins in the process, in a, in a process called glycation. And this glycation means that cholesterol is unable to do its normal job. And so, the body increases the cholesterol production to try and compensate for these inactive or broken or damaged cholesterol molecules. And so, the total cholesterol has gone up because there's a heap of these guys that aren't functioning correctly. And so that's the reason the body puts it up or it starts to collect more of this cholesterol out of the diet because it's like, "Oh, we got the cholesterol's not getting to where it needs to go, so we obviously need to produce more." When actually these uh these sort of LDL and HDL, if you think of them like boats in the way that I kind of talk about talked about them before, is that if the boat is damaged and can't offload its cargo, then the cell doesn't receive It's relevant cholesterol. And so there's a message that goes to the liver that says, hey, we didn't get the cholesterol, produce more, produce more. And there's heaps. But these boats between Melbourne and London, if we will, if we'll keep going with that example, these boats aren't docking. They're still in the system, but they're not docking. And so we've got this situation where cholesterol goes up, right? And remember, these are simplified versions of what's going on, uh, just so you can get a general idea, right? So these glycation events happen when sugar infuses with protein in the process called glycation. And so you might have heard of glycation in the terms of AGEs or AGES, uh, advanced glycation end products. These are a family of compounds that play a role in a bunch of chronic diseases and aging. And we know that aging in the skin is closely linked to these glycation events, which is really the measure of whether you look old or not, right? The more ages you have in your face, the more you look aged The irony, right? (laughs) There's even a theory that if you could slow or stop AGE production, advanced glycation end products, from being produced in the body, you would never age. Hook me up with that deal, right? (laughs) I want to look delicious forever. (laughs) That was a bit self-indulgent, but hey, I'll take it. Um, So, we need to stop these sugars mixing with the proteins in our body and damaging them because when, when an AGE event occurs, it leads to the molecules and cells being in an oxidative state. And there are free radicals produced, which we discussed in depth on episode 130 titled Why Free Radicals Are Destroying Your Cells. And so... When these cells become oxidative, they then release inflammation because they're damaged and they're signaling to the body that they need to be recovered, digested, recycled or repaired and they're not in their optimal state. And we know that an accumulation of inflammation leads to a laundry list of possible illnesses and disease consequences, right? Inflammation is what they say is the basis of all disease because there's parts of the body, again, that are broken that need to be either recycled, repaired, digested, or simply throw the trash out basically <laughs> for some of them, right? And it's the same with carrying excess body fat. Excess body fat um, screams inflammation all the time. It just It's like this because there's all this stress on the body and all these cells that are unnecessarily full of fat. It's just this low level of inflammation and it accumulates from every single cell and just ends up to be this, this leak. Think of it kind of like an oil leak that you never know is happening and then all of a sudden... You turn the car on and it blows up because you're like, whoa, I didn't even know the oil was coming out. That's how the inflammation kind of leaks out of your fat cells. And that's why a lot of people that I work with too, we get a lot of things right and we start seeing some good energy results, digestion's improving, back to going to the toilet on a regular basis. But this weight loss, it's not happening. The weight loss is not happening. And this is often because of the inflammation, which is related to stress and sleep, right? It's also, of course, related to the diet, but the major factors, if we're starting to get the diet right and we're not shifting any fat, it's because of these other factors, as well as consistency, microbiome contents, It's yada, yada, yada. There's a few things, but it's really important to understand that you know these AGEs or these glycation events lead to damage, and then damage leads to inflammation, and then that's the beginning of things going really bad. And so, how does this all tie in together? Okay, so... The question is, why is my cholesterol high? Not forgetting that you may be perfectly healthy and that you happen to fall into the we can sell this person a drug category, but we're going to go back down the chain to find what caused the event and this is always a good question to ask a doctor. What could the cause of this be? Because often you can fix the cause for a very low price as well, right? As long as you know what the cause is. So, In my experience, what could cause this problem of high cholesterol? Well, situations and experiences that produce AGEs, produce glycation and produce damaged cells. So we've got smoking, emotional stress, whether it be money, relationships, kids, work, life. You know, you're one of those people that can never relax, never chill out. You're highly strung. This means that your stress hormones are raised all the time. High sugar diets. High sugar diets are catastrophic. Eating lots of manufactured foods. Remember, anything in a bag, a box or a can is likely not good for your biology. Eating a high degree of fried foods, which then leads me into the next one. Cooking with vegetable oils because a lot of those fried foods are covered in vegetable oils. So cooking with vegetable oils at home or buying fried foods that are cooked in vegetable oil, uh, which you know includes the likes of canola oil or corn oil or grapeseed oil, or sesame oil, or safflower oil, sunflower oil. There's a heap of these, right? These oils that that are devastating. And of course, there are going to be some people that have a genetic predisposition to have higher cholesterol, be it for good or be it for bad. They might just run their body like that and they actually have no symptoms and no problems and that's okay. And there's some situation where that high cholesterol is going to be disproportionate to all of the other things in their body because of a genetic predisposition. But studies show that this genetic predisposition is not super common. So it's not likely that you have it. Although, if you do, obviously do something about it. Um, but it's one of those things that, you know, most people are being told that it's their diet that is the problem, right? Which, obviously, by this podcast, I don't totally agree that it's dietary cholesterol causing the high cholesterol. I think it is. The nature of the diet, which is causing damage to the body, which means cholesterol can't do its job properly. So that's that's the message that I want to get across today. That I'll, and a lot of these things we can fix, right? You know, you can stop smoking. You can start managing your stress. You can improve your diet. You can reduce the amount of inflammatory foods that go into your body. You can stop eating fried foods. And when I say fried food, I don't just mean chicken and hot wings. Like everything, Indian food is cooked in mountains of vegetable oil. Chinese food, most Asian food, mountains of vegetable oils are used in the process. So a lot of these restaurants, even though you feel like you're in a restaurant and they must be a little bit better than everybody else, well, you should ask the waiter, what oils do they cook with? Because it's very likely they use the same oils as the likes of your fast food outlets that you know everybody loves to go to because it's quick and easy and delicious, right? Because a lot of these foods are loaded with these oils that cause these glycations, these glycation events in our body, right? So for the most part, this high cholesterol is a symptom. It's a result of something causing the problem, which we can change. I believe we can change by upgrading your diet, your lifestyle to something that helps you fuel your body and not age it. (laughs) See what I did there? Age it. Um, So, I hope this explained why cholesterol is not necessarily something to be feared and how finding the cause really is the best solution because most causes are something that you can actively do something about and often with very little investment. All right, gang, we're going to wrap this up. We're probably going to have to do a few cholesterol uh, episodes. There's a lot to learn in this conversation because we've been programmed in a particular way uh, for 70 odd years. (laughs) So if you know someone that needs to hear it, please share. Share this episode with a friend or a loved one so that you can get yourself or themselves on the way to becoming one of our healthy friends. And of course, if you love this episode, chuck it on your social media story uh, on Instagram or Facebook or LinkedIn. Give me a tag at Maddie Lansdown and we'll be able to connect and I can share your share with everybody, which is awesome. All right.